0: Hey guys, my name is Janis, and welcome to the very first episode of my podcast. I'm a leadership speaker, trainer and a coach and over the course of 10 years I have met literally thousands of people all around the world and I have been so inspired by their stories, by their life experiences that I thought that I'll just record all of them and I'll share with you. And on this very first episode, I would love to share a, an amazing story of my a friend of mine, Winnie Burns. She's from Australia. She's also a, a leader in the team that I serve, and she's also an amazing speaker also as well, same as me, a trainer, a speaker, and a coach. And what she has done in her life, this is astounding. She has moved away from her lucrative job in a civil service to pursue her own business idea. So why don't we hit the play button and get it started?
1: My uh, dear audience, my followers, I am uh, really excited, uh, having an amazing friend and a colleague, also a leader uh, in the team that I serve, uh, Wendy Burns, she's from Australia, and I will let her introduce herself in a minute, but yes, I'm really excited, at the title of this talk is how to get out or how to exit the civil service and start to build your own thing your own venture your business whatever you want to work on wendy welcome to the show
2: janice thank you so much for having me on uh, this morning here in australia but it's quite late at night for you there uh, uh where you are so thank you very much for having me on your chat today
1: so why don't you tell people what do you do at the moment uh, how about your life experience and um, yeah, Great. some other stuff, whatever you want to share. Yeah.
2: Well, that's just such a big, broad question. Uh, my name is Wendy Burns, as Janice said, and I'm in Queensland, Australia. So I'm a little bit away from where you live, Janice. I'm, I have my own consultancy. Uh, it's called Wendy Burns Consulting, uh, where uh, I coach and I speak And I I am a life and business architect. So what I do is I work with organisations and individuals on finding the remarkable within them. Uh, So that's what I do. I have, and there's so much that comes in under that umbrella. I'm also an author and I'm also part of the John Maxwell team. I'm uh, a peer teaching partner in the John Maxwell team, as Janice has just mentioned. So we we do serve together um, and uh, we have a great leader in John Maxwell. But my business in itself, we can get into that as we go through the conversation, I'm sure. But it is based around leadership and I have a really interesting concept on leadership.
1: So I was drawn by this concept. So getting the best out of themselves, which means out of your, the people that are coming within your proximity. How do you do that? I mean, do you have a specific, I don't know, some scientific methods I don't know, really? Can you enlighten us, please?
2: A scientific... That would be good. Then it could be a written written one. Uh, what I do is I work with the individual. Uh, I coach a lot of people uh, or organisations because we have a remarkable within us. Uh, and that's certainly what my book is called, Remarkable You. But we have a remarkable within us. And I find the people that I coach, whether it's the CEO of a big international organisation or it's just an individual person that wants some life coaching. We often, what what we're good at and the goal that's within us is buried within uh, what's been uh, placed upon us by the world. Uh, the, the opinions of others, what we believe about ourselves, our lack of confidence, our lack of uh, uh, where we think we have no ability. It buries what we're good at. And I work with my clients and with the organisations to find what is that point of difference, that remarkable that's in there. And it is within everybody, whether I'm just coaching them or whether it's in an organization, they will have a point of difference that their clients or potential clients need to know. So I work to be able to pull that out. And, and as you and I know as coaches, Janice, the answer is always there. What we do is we unravel it. So for me, I unshackle, I reveal, and i uh, sorry, I, um, I'm shackled, I reveal, and I enable the remarkable within organizations and the individual.
1: Mm, that is amazing. I mean, I was also drawn by the fact that you have written a book. Can you can you pull it up on the screen again one more time? Because for yes, probably watchers, yeah, remarkable, what an amazing title. How did you came across this? So were you, you know, I don't know, kicked, sometimes people say kicked in the back. And you know what I want—the word I want to use. I don't want to use the rude word, but you know what I mean. Yep. Or you just—you yep. just—you—you you thought that, or someone inspired you. How did you—you know—landed on this idea? So I want to write a book.
2: Um, I've always known. Uh, I have an incredible testimony, um, and I say that because I know that it is so. Uh, from someone who, at the age of thirteen. Uh, witnessed her father commit suicide and Mm. there's a whole pile within my story Janice I think you know a little bit of it Uh, and when I was in uh, Orlando uh, and I you may have been there when I was on stage with John Maxwell and I got to share a little bit of my story and I knew up until then that my story had power because I've traveled around the world and, and spoken to to my story my testimony. But I knew from that moment that I needed to write this book. And I knew that when I came back, if I didn't make that decision and do it now, it would never happen. And it goes through my life from that 13-year-old to all my time in government and all of that experience. And it's a true story. So, and it's, mm. uh, it's, not, it's not an easy read. It's an emotional read. But it, it's not just about a story. I believe in accountability and I believe in a call to action So every small chapter has a call to action as part of that chapter. So you can reflect and you can look at your life, where your story is now and what you need to do to make it different. But it was about, I knew that my story would impact people's lives. So I had to set myself time aside. So that was last year and it was published on my birthday um, last September so it's been out there now uh, almost uh, almost 12 months, not quite, uh, but it was around this time last year that the final manuscript went to the publisher and, and we published on um, official launch the 8th of September, but officially out there on the market on the 9th of September. So it is a true story. And the reason I wrote it is because I do believe wholeheartedly with such a passion that the remarkable is within each and individ- each individual person. And often we don't see that. We And we see how so many in the world suffer because they don't believe in themselves. They don't believe that there's anything worthwhile within themselves. And and sometimes in organizations it's the same because organizations are made up of a myriad of people that have a lack of confidence or, or are not working in their purpose or, or their passion space. So this remarkable being remarkable is for everybody, whether it's an organization or an individual, and anybody that reads my book will walk away with something in their hands.
1: That is an amazing story. I'm really intrigued to, cause I don't know how, oh, I always buy great books. So for me is the, yeah, just, is it available on Amazon? Just, uh,
2: it's available everywhere. It's on iBooks, Amazon, uh, oh. of course you, you can get in um, Barnes and Noble, all of those places that you buy, buy books online of course you can get a a paper copy i'm a bit of a paper copy person you see Mm. all my books behind me um and there's a limited edition that i do post across the world as well um that's Mm. a gold foil one for anyone that likes to collect books but it is available out there um, and certainly well worth the read
1: well i uh, i yeah i remember that story sitting uh, i was blown away i was uh, sitting somewhere so we are just reflecting back in the imc so these are all these events we where we gather as coaches uh, john maxwell team coaches to learn and to be inspired and to be motivated and you came on the stage and there is was a story boom and i was just wow this is something like um, amazing and obviously yeah, i i understand that it took a great deal of courage for you to stand up there and you know tell this this way and um I know you have a lot of children and even more grandchildren, but one thing that you already mentioned is you started working for government, and uh, I would like yes. to, you know ask a little bit things about that. Uh, can you say, share? Why did you Why did you started working for government? Was it a conscious decision? Have you always wanted to be a civil agent, civil state worker? So tell me, tell me, tell me a bit about that.
2: Um, well, I started uh, working for government, like I was in government for 20 years. So I have quite quite a bit of ex- experience. And, and the reason that I started to work in government initially, I started to work in the education sphere uh, mm-hmm. in those very early days when my children were small and I worked in a school. And I simply did that because the hours worked with my family, thinking, well, that's all this is. This is just where I'm going to go. But out of that... Um, the people that I worked with saw that there was something more within me and really encouraged me to apply for, for bigger, greater positions within government. And so I did. So I eventually got into our state government as a human resource officer. Uh, and I went from there into, and I was I think I was six years uh, in HR. Then I went from there to there, I took on a leadership role, leading the prosecutions for the state So any matter that went before the court, uh, I was uh, the leader of that group. So so we did all the road infringements uh, and I had a group, quite a big team of prosecutors that worked for me. So I went from a a teacher's aide in a school, someone that worked as an assistant to a teacher to becoming a human resource uh, uh, officer. And then I went into a leadership role in um, prosecutions, uh, leading this team of prosecutors across the state of Queensland. And then from there, and, and I'm not going to give the little secret away in my book, because it tells you a little bit about how that came to a conclusion. Uh, I went on to lead the major contracts for the state. So mm. I went from, so seven years in prosecutions, so I think it was six or seven. then I went on for the next two or three years to lead the major contracts for the state. Uh, and from there, I decided I'm done. I need to get out, and I need to do something that aligns with my values in a better way. Uh, So I went from very low in the in the food chain, I guess, if as we would say here in Australia, to into a high leadership role uh, within government.
1: Mm. That's an amazing journey, I guess. So you worked seven years for prosecution, Uh, then other half term. I can't spend twenty years; is not a term. Other part of that journey has been for you uh with the contract i mean if i think loudly it's it involves managing a lot of lot of resources both you know both uh, both in form of the cash and in form of the humans as well and then you went yeah. into the higher leadership roles so that has i believe that has contributed to your character and your personal growth can you tell us how did that came about and what lessons? Well, maybe we can share two, one or two, perhaps three lessons uh, you'll learn through that experience.
2: Sure, look, in my early days, uh, when I stepped into a leadership role in government, I I didn't know the difference, and you know, we're going back a while now, I didn't know the Mm -hmm. difference between management and leadership. So I got caught up in management instead of leadership in the very early days. So I learnt the difference uh, when I was leading uh, the prosecutors, really. That was such a big uh, role for me because I think initially when I went in, I had about 80 staff um, that worked for me. So so moving into not just managing uh, what they did every day, but leading this team to become better at who they were uh, and to be better people, Uh, but also understanding from a leader's role uh, we, we need to look after the individual, not just... So So that was a big key for me, looking at... And that was very unusual for the team that I worked with. They had, had lots of managers, but they'd never had a leader that actually cared about who they were and what they did and wanted them to grow and to be better. Uh, and one of the things here in Australia, sadly... Uh, in my time, when I was in government, um, quite often if you had a difficult person that, that worked for you, uh, you would write them off as, as um, you know, not worth the investment. That was the mm-hmm. behaviour around me. And that's, you know, that's just sad. That's just how it was. But for me, I wanted to see more in the person. And I guess that's the value of who I am, that remarkable. So mm-hmm. I, quite, I quite often worked with the ones that were difficult, to be able to pull out of them what they were great at. So not only, because I could see that, they just didn't see it themselves. Uh, And and people get labelled so easily, I found, in government. You can be labelled as a troublemaker, a difficult person to work with. Um, But we can get rid of those labels and we can help people find the value of who they are. So that was a great lesson for me, to learn Mm -hmm. how to be not a manager, but to be a leader. Um, I also learned about... uh, what my values were, how strong my values are, and my integrity. Uh, one of the things that I never gave up on when I was in government was my very own integrity. Uh, and, and, and sometimes it can be a bit grey, can't it? Because um, it may be something that your boss will ask you to do, maybe doesn't equate with your value system. So mm. it's knowing um, your boundaries and very clearly sticking to those boundaries. So that was lesson number two for me. Uh, lesson number three. Um, gee, I'm going to give something away if I share this, right? So give you something away from my story.
1: Um, okay, so when, some, so different lesson.
2: <laughs> no, no, This, this, when you learn to manage people,
1: mm.
2: when you do have to manage non-performers, uh, I'll just skirt around it a little bit. When you have to manage non-performers, quite often there's a kick in the tail. Uh, they don't like to be managed. And mm. that's a whole chapter in my book. And that was um, that was life-defining for me. That was a very life-defining lesson and quite a catalyst for a change in my whole tra- trajectory of my life. So uh, there's a whole story in that and I'm happy to share with you, Janice, but I, you know, it's well worth a read and, and, and I don't want to take up the whole time because I need to share the whole story if we go down that track. But there are so many things, if we look back, so when we're so uh, zoomed in on something, when we're caught in a circumstance, in a position we're in, we can't often see what's going on. Often we have to zoom back out and have a look at what's going on around us to be able to see the bigger picture. Mm. Uh, and to see the lessons and to see our growth, I grew so much over that time, uh, and then, when I stepped into the uh, leadership role of contracts, uh, I knew then uh, it was I was not there forever because I knew my values and I realized that my values and government values didn't always equate well, and there was only so long that I could stay in that role because my value for people is really important. I value people very much and and Um, everybody matters. Everybody has a remarkable within them. And I want to see people have that opportunity to bring that out. So that was the catalyst for me to leave. And, you know, I was very, very blessed at that time. They were offering a government redundancy, not at my level, uh, but I did apply and say, come on, guys, you know, I've I've given you everything and you'll know more when you read my book. It's time now. It's time for me to go. And that's when I left and started my own consultancy. And I'm a, a woman of faith. And I just knew for me uh, that it was time.
1: So that's interesting. You talk about the faith. So you mentioned it at the end of it, but I kind of felt it that it it, it is a, an important factor for you. And you also talked about other faith-related things like integrity and valuing people. So how was it for you in the government? You know, being a person of faith and being in that environment. So. Perhaps not everyone around you shared the same, you know, views and values. How was it for you to keep it? So, I mean, it it could be a challenging thing, but how was it for you to sort of keep that level of, or perhaps was, was there something, was, well, I I kind of expect what you will share, but what kept you going for those 20 years?
2: Uh, My, well, my faith in God, really, that was my, my, my strength, and and for me, I was growing as a woman of faith, right? I was, I was growing. I was early days, you know, I didn't come, um, you know, come to the Lord till I was 34. So, wow, I was still, you know, I had a long way to go. Mm. Um, but understanding this uh, daily relationship that I needed and understanding that uh, I needed to value people. If I was of value, right, if we are of value and we're, we matter, then uh, then, if I'm of value, then those around me are of value too. So that has to come out in who we are. So I think that's why I stood out as different in government. I, I really did. Like, Whether you wore the Director General's hat uh, or a Minister's hat, I still treated you exactly the same. You were a person of value. And I know that was my point of difference. And I know I do believe that's why I was able to rise up the way I did within government because of that point of difference. Not everybody appreciated it, certainly. And dare I say, and this is not a male-female thing, I don't want it to be that, but a woman in government, you know, we're going back now quite a bit. It was a very difficult place to be. So I learned it was important to hold true to who I was uh, and get to understand who I was. But I did make a bit of a mistake there because I attached myself to my label of who I was. You know, this is who I am, you know, lead it, blah, blah, blah. But, Mm. and that's a lesson that I learned that I talked very seriously about in my book. We're we're who we are, not the position we hold. And we know that. And that's such a leadership principle that we have to have, isn't it? And you know that principle as well, Janice.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, we've come to the point, I believe the most interesting point in your story. So you've done 20 years of government. Uh, and now it is your first day in business. How did you feel? Because you're right. You you came out from the system. So government is more or less a systematic work. You follow yeah, the rules. Now you're out in a business, which means basically no rules. You have no customers. So how was your first day? Do you remember that?
2: I do actually, Janice, I do, because I was thinking into that for this interview. And recently, I've been thinking about that a little bit. Uh, I was devastated. I thought, well, what do <laughs> I do now? You know, go these great big ideas. I'm going to start my own consultancy. Right. You know, it's all good. And you have your big farewell and you get your payout and you you leave and you think, okay. You wake up the next day and think, well, what, what, what do I do? How do I start this? Uh, what is this going to look like uh, and for me like that that was the first couple of weeks in in my business. I just wasn't quite sure you know I started to get a website built and I started to get some business cards and I started to think about well, what is my purpose? What is this all about? But one of the things, I was incredibly blessed because some of the uh, people i got to know when i was in government well actually my first government job my first uh, paid job when i came out of government um, was back into government because one of the things that stood out to them was my integrity and my Mm. values so they got me to go back to one of the areas that i was working in or or put aside and you'll find out more in my book Um, to teach on attitude and uh, behavior and integrity. So I got paid to go back in an incredible amount of money. So they sought me out. So that was my first job, but that was you know a one-off thing that I did some workshops with those people. But some of my clients that I had when I was managing the contracts, uh, it came to me and said, we'd like you to come and do some work with us. Mm. As a con- so that was my first couple of years out of government were really good years um, because i had those contacts and people knew who i was my integrity had shone through and because you've worked in government people love that you've got that government experience particularly when they're working back into government as a supplier Mm -hmm. so that that was a starting point but in that i still felt lost i still i'm pretty much a team person i love people around me and you go from being in a building and leading teams and doing all of that to having nobody, and you're in a little office in your house. What do you do with that? For me, part of joining the John Maxwell team was was a great um, a great asset. Uh, not that I initially, for the first six months, did anything with it. But when I did start to get more involved, I started to see that I could learn some greater skills. Because while you work in government, you get, in Australia, you get professional development as part of your um, employment. And so I was feeling like I needed more. Um, So that's how that came about. And I learned, because the contractors had come back to me, that the key for me, and this is why I did stand out in government, relationships matter. You you touched on it at the very beginning, that um, when you start your own business, you need to know what it is you specifically want to do. So, So when I started, I had this really wide, I'm going to do this and this and this and this, and I threw my net really, really wide. And that's okay for a moment, but we really need to narrow it back down to why we're doing what we do. When we lose our why, we lose our way. So coming back to what is it that I want to do? What is it that I'm called to do? What is my purpose? Um, Where does my skill uh, base equate? You know, a lot of the coaching I I work on is what is your passion? What is your purpose? Let's start to dig that down. Let's really uncover what that's about. Because until we know that, we're not quite sure what we're going to do. And and we can get desperate for money. So we think I've got to work, I'll do anything that's given to me so that I can have the finance. I need the finance because you go from getting a, a regular payment, a pay, to getting nothing. So all of a sudden um, you've got this desire, I've got to earn money, I've got to earn money, I've got to, you know, look after my family, look after my, you know, my finances, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So we get a bit panicky. And in that panicky state, we can lose our why. What is it that we're good at? What is it we're called to do? So for me, being able to bring my funnel down really, really uh, tightly, and and it's a process. It takes years, right? We Mm. will do whatever comes across our plate um, until we start to be a little bit more, okay, is this truly my purpose? Do I love doing this? Is this Mm. what I want to do? Is this where I'm making a difference? So it's those great reflection questions. I learned I the power of reflection, Janice, what worked and what would I do differently next time? And that's that's been such a process all my life. Well, all my life since I was 34. Mm-hmm. Up until then, not so much. Um, but even in, in our business today, you know, it, suddenly recently I've said no to something somebody asked me to do a client. And I just thought, mm-hmm. you know what? That, that no longer fits with my values. I can't do that job. So we, even though, you know, we all need finance in this time of uncertainty, you know, we need to have that certainty of having some finances come in. We also still need to know what equates with our values and what doesn't. And I think that's a really important uh, point to underpin anything we do. Mm.
1: So I guess uh, if I wrap it up, it's, I get it has been challenging for you. I mean, you run running your own consultancy, you more or less work your dream through, but at the same time, it is it requires a great deal of character, you know, to make these decisions on a daily basis, like kind of, oh, well, hang on a second, you know, the, the, a wonderful offer comes in, a wonderful order arrives in your email, and you just think, oh, that's, I don't know, maybe a couple of tens of thousands of, of dollars arrive in your email, kind of, as an order, and, I believe that's a that's a that's a massive character trait to be able to you know filter through all that information and the say look this is this is this is not for me I mean that's a massive choice that you have to make especially I guess if you are going through not through some very good times in a business or when you just start
2: Yes how very did, much How
1: did I believe how did you what helped you let's say to stay fixed on, on on your line on your final line on, on on the things that you do offer on 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 your product or, or your consultancy how did how, what what helped you to stay fixed and you know believe regardless of whatever comes in that this is the one you do and then the rest is uh, for the rest you will say no
2: yeah that this is a really great question and, and you know what I don't always get it right but More recently than not, and and even though things have been quiet for so many of us over this period, like as soon as COVID hit, my business, like I had speaking engagements and workshops, everything stopped, as it did for so many people. Uh, And something came in about a month and a half ago, and I just had no peace on that. I just thought, that just does not fit, I, I cannot do that 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 will just not fit with my values. And I was able to, you know, so I just, I sat with it. I sat with it for a couple of days. And then I thought, no, I can't. I I just would be out of integrity with my value system. And that's a hard decision. But I also know as a woman of faith, when I stay within that value system and when I stay within that sense of, if I don't have a piece on something, I won't step into it. My podcast, that didn't go, uh, I did a podcast, I was saying to Janice uh, a little while as we were starting today that I was asked to do a podcast, uh, another one, you know, quite often on a podcast. Mm. And at the end of it, I felt like, "Mm, just does not feel like it went where it needed to go. You get that unsettledness in your your spirit. You just know when something is not right. And then, you know, about a month later, I I get an email to say, no, it's not right. We're not going to use it. And Mm. so... We know ourselves when it's not right. We know ourselves when it doesn't equate with our value system. We've gotta be able to live with it. We've gotta be able to live with ourselves as well. Um, and you know, that's not always easy. You know, when in the early days, I said yes to everything that I thought I was able to do. And I, I learned to say yes and then work out how to do it. One of the things when you go into consultancy, even if you don't have that experience, you say yes and then you work it out. Right, Janice? When you, yeah, when you are- Yeah, that be right. Yeah, you when you're asked to speak or you're asked to run a workshop, you say, and, and as long as you're comfortable with that client, yeah, I can do that, sure, I can do that. Um, and then you go, you in the background, you think, now, how are we going to do that? So I've learned to create. I've become a creator of uh, material. I've learned to create great material. I've learned to write really well, even before my book. So to um, be able to bring together lessons So you you learn great skills that you never thought you would have when you work in government. Everything changes when you have to do it for yourself. But, But knowing who you are, knowing what you stand for is part of your mission statement. Organizations have mission statement. They have a purpose statement. They have a value statement. When you're a consultant, you still need those things.
1: Personal mission statements, who you are, yeah, who you are. I always remind myself, there's a quote that whenever I come across, it's not mine. I always remind that saying by Victor Frankl, my motivation always. So we, yeah, it says like everything can be taken away from a person. One thing you can't take it away, the freedom of choice yes. that's available for you at any given set sort of circumstances. So I always remind myself that choice always reminds you can always choose and well i'm just amazed how you manage to go with your story how it goes through the choices every day you make choices like those difficult business decisions we are in we are i mean some countries are out on pandemic some countries still have lockdown rules at the yeah. same time i'm amazed how you do make those decisions and we're kind of starting wrapping up here so if i can ask you can you I believe there are there are thousands of people working for civil services today, at this hour maybe, they're starting, uh, or their jobs, their days, or somewhere else, they're going to sleep and they would like to listen to this and they would love to, you know, think. Because many of you have this experience of building up contracts, building up relationships, staying, sticking to your values. What word of encouragement or advice or whatever you think of, a single quote or a single sentence, maybe a sentence or two, what can you say to them as we conclude our conversation? What's one thing you would like to, you know, bring them out?
2: Uh, start probably, their own thing or
1: business or consultancy or perhaps, yeah, you know, change them.
2: Yeah. So uh, can, I, can I make it a bigger sentence? Is that okay? Yeah. Um, yep.
1: Make it a big, 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 big Australian sentence.
2: There you go. Um, if you go if you're deciding to go into a consultancy make sure you've got some financial backing behind you before you step out Mm. so start to prepare yourself by building relationships first start to build Mm -hmm. in the background before you step out so that when you step out you're able to make because you you touched on everything that i believe in the power of choice you able to make great choices because what you empower will devour you so if you empower the wrong thing it will devour you. Mm. So make sure that you are in a position to empower the right thing and the right choices for your life. And, and we know you never change your life until you change something you do every day. So needing to be, you know, preparing for that change if you want to uh, to step out into your consultancy, or you've decided to stay in a in a civil uh, position, that's fine too. Just know your values and know your integrity and know your power of choice. And, and and again, I so believe what we empower devours us. What we give power in our life devours us. It can be for good or it can be for bad. Um, and And yeah, so that would be my advice, I guess, if that makes sense. Well,
1: I believe it does. So if we recommend, there was relationship and finances when you start thinking about it, so keep on your relationships, build up your finances.
2: Yes, very and important. If you,
1: yeah, and if you want to stay within the government or civil service, carry on with the relationship, as I understood you, work on your values or, or basically stick, get, get hold of your values. And uh, I yes. forgot there was one more thing. Yeah,
2: know no, no your power of choice, know your boundaries as well. Yeah, Let me put it in a different phrase know your boundaries know what you will what you won't move from your non-negotiables what will you not negotiate not negotiate on right across whether you work in government in 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 civil work or whether you work in a consultancy what will you not negotiate on
1: mm. well wendy what an amazing uh, what an amazing story from you what an amazing narratives from you today I'm really pleased that you were able to find some time to share your story and your experience to um, to all our listeners and the people who will be watching this on YouTube so um, thank you very much for being here and um, yes my pleasure to be to serve on your team within the jack John Maxwell um, John Maxwell uh, within the John Maxwell team so we have team within the team
2: we do have um, a team within the team <laughs> yeah.
1: And yes, and thank you for reminding me that uh, that you are the person who matters, not the title you possess or the possessions you have.
2: Exactly. And Janice, don't we know that more these days than any other time? Thank you so much for having me on today. It's been a real pleasure uh, and to have the um, the ability to speak to your audience. So thank you so much, everybody.
0: Thank you. I hope you really enjoyed it. You know, I always love to listen to Wendy's stories. Her life experience is just astounding how you can move away from a lucrative job role to start a new dream, a pursuit of your own business, your own ideas and things all like that. Just listen to it again. Just replay and replay and replay as many times as you want. So... In my next episode, in one week's time, I will be interviewing another great friend of mine called Monica. And if you are looking forward how to use adversity to find your dream and to start your own business, then this is the talk you must listen to. So stay tuned and get back in in one week's time. Bye-bye.